Grab your Bibles, if you will, and open them to Joshua chapter 24. Joshua 24. I'll read you the first 13 verses of Joshua 24. And while you're finding that, just for those of you who don't know, once a month, we um, we make the focus of our worship service the, uh, the sacrament itself. Um, we're convinced that it's more important than just an add-on at the end of the service. And so my comments are more limited today than on other Sundays. So bear with me as I read the first 13 verses of Joshua chapter 24. Here we go. Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and summoned the elders, the heads, the judges, and the officers of Israel. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from beyond the river and led him through all the land of Canaan and made his offspring many. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau, and I gave Esau the hill country of Seir to possess, but Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. And I sent Moses and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt with what I did in the midst of it and afterward, I brought you out. Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt and you came to the sea and the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. And when they had cried to the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and made the sea come upon them and cover them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt and you lived in the wilderness a long time. Then I brought you to the land of the Amorites who lived on the other side of the Jordan. They fought with you, and I gave them into your hand, and you took possession of their land, and I destroyed them before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and fought against Israel, and he sent and invited Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Indeed, he blessed you, so I delivered you out of his hand. And you went over to the Jordan and came to Jericho, and the leaders of Jericho fought against you. And also the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And I gave them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drove them out before you, the two kings of the Amorites. It was not by your sword or by your bow. I gave you a land on which you had not labored and cities that you had not built. And you dwell in them. You eat the fruit of vineyards and olive orchards that you did not plant. The grass withers and the flower fades. But the word of our God, that endures forever. You know, I bet you're wondering why I didn't keep reading. Because the real famous part of, of Joshua 24 comes later. It really comes in the, the, the part that you know that would really ring a bell is in verse 15 and following where, where Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You, you know that. I mean, that, that rings a bell, but, but that's the famous part. I, I chose to read you that which was, um, oh, I don't know, the, the non-famous part. But what I did read you is a, is a brief uh, story that occurs at the end of Joshua's life. 
Uh, you'll, if you'll read on in chapter 24, he's dead before the end of the chapter, and uh, he is coming to, towards the last days of his life, and so he calls all Israel together. You notice the heads and the elders and the, all those guys are all brought together, and they meet at Shechem. We're going to come back to Shechem in just a second, but <clears throat> what you see here is is really something that really is tantamount to a um, a public worship service. He calls all Israel together, and he and he what he does is that he rehearses some. He gives them a history lesson. What he does is mention some of the providential events, the um, the uh, interventions on the part of God in the in the history of Israel. He shows them or reminds them. Uh, of the God's actions in their human affairs, in the in their in the in the beginning and in the building of Israel, and so he rehearses point after point. He does it rather cursorily, but um, he had also done something almost the same thing in chapter twenty-three. But uh, some of the same ground that he's covered in chapter twenty-four, he's covering in chapter twenty-three. So basically, what you're getting is a history lesson in in verse in chapter twenty-four. But the, but the part of it that I want to draw your attention to is that it occurred at Shechem. Does that ring a bell? Shechem. Oh, it ought to. You know, guys, I gravitate towards the, um, the histrionic, the, uh, the dramatic, the theatric. I, I love this stuff. But there's, this is a very dramatic scene. This is Shechem. Let me just tell you a little bit about Shechem. Um... It was at Shechem where God established the covenant with Abraham for the very first time, Genesis chapter 12. When, when, the, when the nation of Israel, in essence, was born, it wasn't called Israel then, but in essence, the first covenantal participant, Abraham, was brought into the covenant. A covenant was made with him at Shechem. And interestingly, if you'll go back and look at Genesis chapter 12, there is an oak tree there is an oak tree that is mentioned at Shechem that um, that Abraham, uh, I guess, sat under when or stood under when the when the covenant was was made. My point is, if you look at verse twenty six of chapter twenty four, there's an oak tree mentioned, and you wonder, or at least I do, you reckon it's the same oak tree. That Abraham stood under when God first made the covenant. But that, that's not the end of it. Um, over in verse 32 of chapter 24, you'll find that Joseph's bones were buried at Shechem. Remember Joseph? He was the one that, whose brothers, they sold him into slavery and he goes down to Egypt, rises to the right hand of Pharaoh, and he's the one that ultimately saves the whole region from starvation. It was, his bones were buried at Shechem. So, as they're meeting, there's the grave of Joseph right over there. Oh, there's all kinds of other things that, that I could tell you about Shechem. You remember the, the, uh, the very, mm, very um, embarrassing scene where um, Dinah, the sister or one of the daughters of, of Jacob, was violated in Shechem. And her two brothers, Simeon and Levi, tricked them and slaughtered all of Shechem. You remember that? Gang, all I'm saying is... This is a very moving, dramatic moment where Joshua is at the end of his life. They're at a very, very significant spot in their history. 
And he's rehearsing redemptive events in the life, in the, in the ears of, of Israel. And I, and I can just imagine that there was somebody out there thinking, okay, Joshua, we know all this. We've heard all this before, Joshua. We know these details. Would you move on? Come on, Joshua, we know all about this. Why, why, why? What's the point of doing this again? Well, ladies and gentlemen, um, here's the point. The point is that the details of redemption cannot ever be mentioned too frequently. You know, maybe, maybe the Bible knows this better than we know ourselves. Because the Bible repeats the story and the details of redemption over and over again. Scores of time in both the Old and New Testament. Maybe the Bible knows, as we sang, just how prone we are to wander. How little it takes, how very little it takes to get us off of a path of righteousness. One little email and boy, we're off. We're off to the races. Maybe, maybe the Bible knows that, that how little it takes, how often per day we're tempted to, to wander. Maybe, maybe the Bible knows that, um, maybe, maybe it understands better than we do how quickly we get sucked into the world. You know, guys, um, you've had this experience, I bet. I see it all the time. You go on a missions trip. You see how little people have to live on. You're convicted. You come back from this missions trip and your soul is scarred. And then in a matter of days, you're out shopping not for an iPhone, but for a new iPhone. How quickly we all get sucked back into the, to the, to the material worlds that we, and so maybe the Bible understands that better than we do. Maybe, maybe, maybe the Bible knows how how easily we forget mercies. Oh, we don't forget pain. It's just the mercies that we forget. Maybe, maybe the Bible knows how short my memory is of God's great goodness to me. And then, and then beyond just that, you know, one of the things that being reminded does is that it maybe, maybe just for a little bit, maybe it, Maybe just for a brief moment, there's a there's a little bit more gratitude for God's great goodness to me. Is anybody short on gratitude and and maybe a grumbler? Or is it just me? Another thing that that being reminded might do it might um it might humble us. But is humility, is, am I the only one that tends to become high-minded with very little? And, and being reminded of, of our redemption, maybe, maybe it makes it, makes us wiser as we remember 
as we remember the details of all that God has wrought to uh, deliver us. Is, is anybody short on wisdom or is it just me? Gratitude, humility, wisdom. Those are always in short supply. And so, maybe by being reminded, those things get at least revisited. The need for wisdom, the need for gratitude, the need for humility. So guys, having said all that, here we are again with another reminder being reminded all over again of the same story, the same broken body, shed blood. We know this, Jimmy. Why are we doing it again? In a lot of ways, ladies and gentlemen, the Lord's Supper is a... Is a a visit to Shechem. It's a visit to the place where it all started. It all started with the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ. So our, our spiritual history begins right here. And it's good to think about our birthplace all over again. Let's pray. Our Father, I do pray that you will remind us of what is the, the chief piece of information in the gospel of Jesus Christ. The chief piece being the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ. The chief piece being the great work accomplished by Jesus Christ for people uh, as wicked as I. Lord, might this never become old hat to us. Might this reminder, might it do perhaps those things and more. Might it, might it engender some gratitude and provoke some humility and and evoke some wisdom. But beyond those things, Lord, we come back to the place where we began by embracing all over again the great, G- the great work of Jesus Christ for sinners. So meet us here. Meet us here for Jesus' sake. In his name we pray.